the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Thinking about health care these days? Well, you're not alone. And it seems that getting real information about the state of our medical system is tough to come by. That's why you've come to the right place with Dr. Bill, your radio MD. He's got the answers because he's a doctor. I said he's a doctor and he wants to hear from you right now. 877-969-8600. This is AM860, The Answer. And now it's time for Dr. Bill, your radio MD. Good morning, everybody. This is Dr. Bill, your radio MD, coming at you on AM860, The Answer. That's am860theanswer.com. And you can reach us on the Internet there. And you can listen live there, or you can go to my website, drbillradiomd.com. That's drbillradiomd.com. If you don't have a radio, and just put on your headset or your uh, speakers on your computer, turn them on, and you can hear me live, 9 to 10 a.m. every Sunday morning, Eastern Standard Time. What a great day. What a great life. Oh, my gosh. And by the way, I had a wonderful evening last night. The wife and I went out with couple of our Canadian friends, Roger and Denise, to the Just for Laughs Dinner Theater, where our good friends Toby and Barb are the headliners. Good little show. It's in the uh, Clearwater area of Pinellas County, and you might enjoy that. It's reasonably priced. As we were leaving, Denise asked me my stand on gun control and the recent mass murder on the east coast of Florida, and she wanted to know if I would talk about it on the radio. And, of course, we talked about it last week with Pryor Smith, who's also Canadian. But I want to reiterate my stand on gun control. And it's nothing new. It's what I've been saying for years. Outlawing bump stocks and automatic weapons won't make a, a, a bit of difference. And it hasn't. Automatic weapons have been outlawed for a couple of decades now. You have greater accuracy and greater control with a semi-automatic weapon. So... If you take the shooter out in, in uh, Las Vegas, if he had been using a semi-automatic with a scope on it, he could have killed a lot more people in that 17-minute period. So it, this this whole debate over automatics and bump stocks and all that, it's really kind of nonsense. Those are good to have if you're in trench warfare and you're close in. But even the automatic weapons have been taken out of the hands of the military. The M16, the military version of the AR-15, only shoots three rounds when you squeeze the trigger because what the brass were figuring out is that if you had a fully automatic weapon, accuracy went down and bullet wastage went up and so on and so forth. So I don't think that's going to make any difference. Will it help to change the permit age from 18 to 21? It might, you know takes guys a little longer to mature, but not necessarily. And I don't know if it would hold up in the Supreme Court since 18-year-olds are now able to vote, uh, be drafted, 
uh, carry guns in the military, so on and so forth. I don't know how that would work out. It really is not uh, something that I would spend a lot of time on. Again, in my opinion, and finally we're hearing this from the president and people in the United States uh, in leadership roles saying that maybe it's time to arm the citizenry. The president spoke about arming some of the teachers in the schools, and I heard an ex-military guy say that's ridiculous. What you ought to do is get the ex-military people who are interested in helping out and have weapons training to be volunteer guards like school crossing guards. I don't have a problem with that, but again, I say if we arm every 10th or 20th citizen who's properly screened and selected for both their mental stability and their physical abilities and trained and would carry a weapon that this would deter, in my opinion, deter crime much more effectively than more police or more laws or, or constitutional challenges or getting rid of bump stocks. If you want to defeat the bad guys, <laughs> you got to play on their turf. you got to play their game, and their game is guns and killing. And if you have countermeasures to that, well, you know, they're going to think twice or they're going to die before they do any real damage. So that's the one point that I have been hitting on for years now is let's get a citizenry militia Let's screen these people effectively and train them and have them go for uh, retraining every summer and have some weekends that they have to go, just like the National Guard. And finally, let's increase the number of social workers with early assessment and intervention of kids when they come in at the pre-K level or the K level of school. In this way, we could identify future problems, uh, sociopaths, before they're hardened their personalities are completely formed or that we can get in there at some point and intervene by finding out which of these households are abusive or where there's neglect or if these kids have psychiatric problems. And these things are all easy to pick up at, even at age four, five, and six. You know, it's the old triad that I was taught when I was on psychiatry rotation, bedwetting, fire setting, cruelty to animals. These are the hallmarks the early behavior of future sociopaths. So we can get in there and do that. It's not that big of a deal uh, in terms of the knowledge necessary. What is the big deal is convincing society and governments and the populace that we need to spend more money on, quote, quote, social workers. But we don't need to think of them as social workers. Let's think of them as early intervention in the criminal system workers so we can get in there and have an ongoing and consistent intervention in families that are abusive and neglective of their kids. And we can really and truly change not only the course of their lives, but the lives of, of thousands and millions of us throughout the country. I mean, look at look at all the trauma over the episode in the, in the east coast of Florida. And Bill and I were talking before the show. Bill, your wife's a, a school principal, isn't she? Yes, sir. And uh, she had a big a big deal to deal with this week. I mean, a lot of trauma, a lot of emotions. What What's she doing to to calm everybody down? I'm sure the kids and the parents are all upset. Well, many, many fires, uh, both real and uh, and fake, uh, both had to be treated equally. And it's just it's. It's just multiple things that uh, come at, uh, come at her at once. Nothing that she can't handle, but it's definitely taking it away from the attention that she'd rather be spending a, 
on her duties, uh, you know, with the safeties of the kids and the, te- the teachers. Yeah, and she's what, got, what, 2,300 kids in her school, and she's a principal of the whole thing? Correct. It's all under her watch. Wow, that's a lot of kids. So what does she think about uh, arming certain teachers who have been properly vetted and trained? Does she think that's a good or bad idea? Well, I'm going to leave that up to you to guess, knowing me. Uh, she she always makes it a point to uh, not allow me to discuss her opinions on the air. <laughs> I'm going to take that as she's all for it, <laughs> or at least she's considering it. But, I will leave that to your assumptions. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that, that there's a movement, uh, there's a sentiment within a large part of the uh, educational community that something has to be done to prevent this. I mean, you need more guards, you need people who are armed, you need the doors secured, you need to look and see who's coming and going, and uh, th- these things can be done. This is not uh, undoable. I mean, my goodness, we can survey, surveil thousands and thousands of people going through the airport every day, and it's effective. You know, the TSA, for all of their faults, have cut down on the attempts to utilize planes as weapons of mass destruction. It's just that simple because it's a deterrent. So we need deterrence. We need deterrence. Well, I I don't want to spend the whole show on, on guns and gun control and self-protection. I think I've beat up on that enough over the past few years. But if you have anything you want to say, uh, you're welcome to join me at 877-969-8600. That's 877-969-8600. So you can give me a shout. Keep it brief. I want to switch gears here and start talking about the uh, Mueller investigation. One of the guys in the lunchroom asked me if I would address that this Sunday, and I said, Sure, and David, he's a good guy. I really love him. He's he's just one of a one of a kind, a, a real nice family practitioner and a good family man, good member of the community, involved and active in the medical community as well. So I wanted to go back through some of the highlights and give you my impression of what I think's going on and which way it's going to head. Uh, the the first thing I wanted to talk about was that uh, Flynn, who was the former I guess he was, what, the security advisor for the president. He resigned early on in the uh, in the first term of the president in the beginning of January last year because of an application he had filled out that the FBI gave to him for his security clearance. And uh, one of the questions was whether or not he had spoken with any foreign agents or had any meetings with any Russian uh operatives or diplomats or whatever and apparently he said no he did not and it was found out that he did and so he resigned his post as the national security advisor and the Mueller investigation Mueller had him arrested and they charged him with uh, lying to the FBI and uh, falsifying information on an FBI affidavit that he had to fill out for security clearance And so he pleaded guilty, and he's making a plea deal with them. But now they bring this to the courts, and the judge in the court, he wants to know, are you withholding any evidence of Mueller and the prosecution team? So you have the prosecution on one side and the defendant on the other, and the defendant here is is Flynn. And 
the judge says, I want to know if you have any exculpatory evidence. Exculpatory evidence is evidence that would be favorable to Flynn, to the defendant who's being accused. And the prosecution has a duty under our laws to reveal any information they have, which may exonerate or show that Flynn is not guilty. And exculpatory evidence is just that it's evidence that the prosecution has access to and has to release to the defense in order to exculpate culpa from the Latin means uh, fault. And so exculpate means to remove fault. So this evidence is something that has to be shared with both sides. And the judge says, well, wait a minute. I want to see what you're basing all this on. Now, the Steele dossier, which is the big thing that's going around for the past several years, is a document that was drawn up by a former British agent of MI5, and he was hired by a company that was being paid by the Democratic National Committee and by the Clintons to come up with dirt on Trump and to see if he was colluding with the Russians because Trump had some business interest or was interested in building uh, Trump Tower partnerships in Moscow and wanted good relationships with the Soviets, or rather not the Soviets, the Russians, the Soviets are gone. And uh, so the Clinton campaign wanted to know if there was any dirt there they could use against Trump in the, in the campaign. And so if this was all generated by dirty politics, and of course it has a bias to it. I mean, how could it not? Because it was not something that was requested by an independent agency. I mean, this is the Democratic National Committee and the Clintons. And so it comes into, uh, it's called into suspect. We don't know if there was a slant to it or not. Now, there are those on one side of the debate who are saying, well, all this has been corroborated by the CIA and the FBI. And on the other side, people are saying, well, first of all, it has not been corroborated. You're just saying that. And secondly, we can't even see that evidence that you say is, exists that corroborates this steel dossier that is a, 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 a document that really purports to reveal the, the Trump campaign in bed with with Putin and the Russians. And so the judge says, well, look, I don't know if it's real or not. I don't know what's going on. I need to see everything that you based your arrest warrant on, Mr. Mueller. Mr. Mueller goes to the FISA court or to the court and he gets a warrant. He goes before the grand jury and they say, yeah, you should indict this guy because what you're telling us, it sounds like he's committed a crime. So send him to trial. Uh, but guess who has the final word as to whether or not the evidence gets in or out. It's the judge in the court. And even though Mueller's already made a deal, you know, he signed a document. He said, I confess. Yes, I did that. I lied to the FBI and I'm sorry. And, you know, I'll take whatever punishment's coming my way and I'll cooperate with the Mueller investigation. And the judge is saying, well, wait a minute, that deal is not made solid until I say it's made solid. Because when you make a deal with a prosecutor, it still has to go to the court. It still has to be reviewed by a judge and signed off on by a judge. Any agreement in law that ends up in the court, the final common pathway is the judge. That's why we have the system. So that another set of eyes is looking over everything 
to make sure that both sides are playing fair. And it's ultimately the judge's decision whether or not the case will stay in or get thrown out or be heard for trial or request more information such as a steel dossier or whatever it is that the FBI is basing their arrest warrant on in, in this uh, dragnet that they picked Flynn up in. So it ain't over. You know, it ain't over. Even if, even if Flynn signed a deal, it's not over until the judge says it's okay, that he accepts the deal. And if he rejects it based on exculpatory evidence, evidence that he receives from the prosecution, that the prosecution has not shared yet with the defense, and that is the uh, information or the evidence that the prosecution based its presentation to the grand jury and subsequent arrest warrant on, if that's not up to the judge's standards, if it doesn't meet the test of the court, if he doesn't consider it reliable information or if it was obtained illegally, and you say, well, how can you obtain something like that illegally? Well, you can't spy on on citizens of the United States, you can't do that unless there's a really good reason and you can show this in court. And if you do pick up information, let's say that I call the Russian ambassador and want to know what the weather was in Moscow next week. And you pick me up on the phone. As long as I'm not doing anything wrong, you can't use that against me. You can't even reveal it. That's why we have our bill of rights, you know, we've been hitting on this for months now, and this, this is important. So the judge is saying, Hey, hold on here. I'm not sure that I think all of this is kosher. I don't, I don't think that, uh, we're going to accept this deal until I get more information. The court's not going to sign off on this until it sees what it is that Mueller has. And of course, Mueller doesn't want to tip his hand. He doesn't want to let everybody know what he has. It's a game. They're lawyers, you know, it's for them. It's a chess game and the object is to win and they don't care who gets hurt in the interim. They don't care who gets knocked over on the way to victory. They just want a victory. That's, that's what they're trained to do. You know, like doctors are trained to cure people, treat the sick. That's what we do. This is what lawyers do. And Mueller is a consummate example of a lawyer and a prosecutor, and he's going after whoever falls into his net. And the net's widening. He uh, brought indictment against Richard Pinedo, 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 P-I-N-E-D-O, out in California, who apparently sold uh, identities to the Russian organization that was trying to disrupt our campaign and influence social media. And, uh, that carries jail time and a fine with it. So selling someone's identity is, uh, uh, illegal and making false documents to make up people that don't exist. That's illegal. So he's picked this person up and he's also gone after or named anyway. I don't know if he can go after them. The internet research agency. And this was the organization purportedly set up by a Russian businessman who was friendly with Putin. And they employed hundreds, maybe thousands of people to hack websites, to go after information about 
Hillary Clinton and to disrupt our electoral process by giving out misinformation and stirring up trouble between the Democrats and the Republicans. We got Steve from Oldsmar on the line. Steve, good morning. How you doing? I'm doing. I'm doing fine, sir. I, I, uh, I'm getting an echo. Can you hear me all right? We're getting a little echo, but Is I can hear better? you. Is that better? Hello. No, but go go ahead. Um, I, I just got two questions. How come uh, nobody's interviewing uh, uh, Julian Assange, and how come nobody's talking to? Uh, Uma Abedin, about her relationship with uh, her husband, the telephone, Hillary Clinton. She was her secretary. She should know everything about what was going on. I'll listen to your call. Well, part of the problem is that the initial thrust of the the investigation was uh, to find out if there was collusion between the Russians and the Trump campaign, and then Congress broadened it into saying, we want to know if the Russians interfered with our electoral process. Now, how you define that is very subjective. So initially, they're looking at Trump, and they've cast their net out there, and the focus of their investigation is to see if there's anything that leads back to Trump himself. So they've already identified a number of people who they know had conversations with Russian businessmen or Russian lawyers or the uh, ambassador to Russia in the Trump camp. And the question is, did this in any way influence the election and help Donald Trump to win the election? That's what Congress wants to know. And that's what the Democrats want to know. If it had been on the shoe on the other foot, that is, if Hillary had won, would the investigation have gone forward? Well, that's another question. Of course, the the uh, the Steele dossier was uh, commissioned basically by the Clintons and the Democratic National Committee. And so one would think that if she had won, it would have all been buried because her people were already in power through the appointments made by uh, President Obama. And so they want to know what the involvement is of the Trump campaign at this point. Does that mean that they are not going to look at the Clintons and at what transpired between the Clintons uh, charitable foundation and influence buying uh, uh, purportedly carried on by the Clintons? No, that doesn't mean that they're not going to look at it. What they're going to do, though, is they're going to throw the net out there, and they don't care which fish swim into it. They're going to catch every fish. They're going to get the biggest ones first and see if they're of any value. You know, it's, a, it's like a bass tournament contest. You throw back the little ones, you'll get them later. And you, you hang on to the big ones and see what you can do with it, see if you can win the, win the contest. So at this point, the focus of this is not whether or not the Clinton campaign or the DNC funded the Steele dossier. The focus of this is, is if the Steele dossier is true and some people in the FBI believe that it is. They believe that there's corroboration of much of the facts or much of this, uh, the claims that this this document makes about the Trump campaign and their involvement with the Russians prior to and during the convention and, and right after the election as well. And you say, well, what's the big deal about that? Well, it's not a big deal until money or state secrets or uh, emails uh, from the Democratic National Committee that have been obtained by the Russians falls into the hands of the Republicans or some other candidate. 
then that becomes an illegality. So they're looking to see if that has happened. Does that mean that the Clintons are innocent of any wrongdoing? Absolutely not. I mean, you know, they're, they're up to their necks in this, and I'm sure that they're a little bit afraid that it will come full circle. And I've said this before on the show that they better be careful because this investigation is going to come around and bite the Democrats in the butt. And I don't think there's any doubt about that. However, first things first, Mueller's going to take the charge that he has been given and execute that to, to the best that he can. And if it doesn't lead up to the president, then he's going to say, you know what, I don't see any ties to the president and the Russians and the Russian inter- interference in the campaign. Does it mean the Russians did not interfere in the campaign? Absolutely not. He uh, issued a, an arrest warrant for the Internet Research Agency and 10 or 15 people that are at the top of this company, which was set up in St. Petersburg, Russia, for the sole purpose of interfering with and influencing our election through social media, through hacking into Democratic National Committee computers and pulling off emails. And all this is illegal. You you cannot interfere. I mean, you can interfere in our electoral process, but if we catch you, we're going to charge you and try to send you to jail. Will these people ever come to trial? Well, they're Russians. Of course not. They're not going to stick around here. But if they are in a country that is neutral and we have agents following them, it's potentially, uh, it's possibly uh, a, a situation where they could kidnap that person and bring them back to the United States for trial. And that has happened, as we know at different times throughout history. But there's a number of people that are involved. Initially, the number that was working in this agency was uh, 100 or so. Now it's it's 1,000 people are involved from the Russian side of the organization. And Concord Management and Consulting and Concord Catering are the organizations that the defendants spent significant funds uh, from to further their attempts to interview with our electoral process. So you got this Russian outfit. And by the way, the guy that heads us up, he's a good friend of Putin's. He's the caterer, the caterer, the, the chef, the, you know, the guy that provides food for a lot of the state functions and a lot of the private business functions that Putin and his friends are involved in. Because even though they are uh, nominally a democracy, they're more like fascist state where the government will allow certain businesses to thrive and others that they don't want or that do not want to kick back to them that they'll get rid of them. So this guy has made his money by catering to Putin and Putin's friends, business, as well as political friends and state functions in Russia. And he's made a lot of money. And so he set this up and one would think that this was with Putin's blessing and, uh, and so we're very interested in this. Now, the other problem is that some of these defendants on the Russian side had stolen identities. And there was this guy out in California that I mentioned earlier that, at least for a few of these, sold the, the Russian agents, the Russian operatives, the Russian employees, whatever you want to call them, false identities so they could get bank accounts, they could get Facebook accounts, they could get Twitter accounts, and they could start, quote, quote, influencing the election and spreading discord uh, among the voters of the United States. 
And, of course, the Democrats are claiming that this altered the course of the election. I want to tell you this. Most of the people I know who voted for Trump don't even go on Facebook or Twitter, don't care what the press has to say. And as we've heard, or as we heard in the primaries leading up to the election on this show, people who would call and say, I don't want anybody to know my name, and I'm not discussing my political views with anybody, but I am for Trump. One woman from the Bronx, uh, retired, lifelong Democrat, uh, nice Jewish grandma. She said, I've been a Democrat all my life, but I'm voting for Trump. And I'm not discussing it with anybody. So I can tell you that there's millions and millions of us out there who don't care what's on Facebook, who've never looked at Facebook, who don't know what's being said on Facebook. And we were for Trump. We don't care what anybody said. We liked what we heard and we like what we see going on now. And it doesn't have anything to do with Russian meddling or Russian interference. By the way, the Russians are laughing. You know, they think it's funny. They've got us running around in circles, chasing each other and uh, playing good cop, bad cop against each other. And for them, it's a lot of fun and didn't cost them a whole lot of money, several million bucks. And that's not a lot of cash, not for a big government like the United States or Russia. So that's why it hasn't gotten to the level of the Clintons yet. It might it just might. So what's Mueller doing? Mueller, of course, is heading up this probe, this uh, uh, look at how the electoral system was disrupted and whether or not Donald Trump and his campaign had any collusion with the Russians or if the Russians in any way helped his campaign. And now the the mantra is that the Russians were anti-Hillary and pro-Trump. And there are people or people who were in the Trump camp who are being linked back to Ukrainian president who was pro-Russia and trying to help that president. And as you guys remember, the Ukraine has undergone, is still in the throes of a quote, quote, civil war. And the eastern, southeastern part of the country has been taken over by the Russians. And that includes the port on the Black Sea, Sevastopol, and the Crimea, which is a little peninsula that sticks out into the Black Sea. So that's on the eastern part of Europe, northeastern Europe. And so there are a number of people who are saying, well, look, we know, we know that these guys were in cahoots, these guys that were uh, and Trump's campaign, Manafort and all these guys, that they were in bed with these Russian agents and this president of the Ukraine who was being backed by the Russians. By the way, that president fled the Ukraine. He's now living in Russia after the Civil War started. So Manafort and his friend Gates, they are now facing new charges that date back to 2003, for money laundering, bank fraud, evading income tax, all kinds of things. And and so Gates has rolled over and he's pleading guilty. And Manafort said, I'm not guilty. We're not guilty. And I don't know why he's doing it. And he blasts. He's now blasting. The interesting thing is, and then I'm going to take a break, is this is being uh, tried in a Virginia state court and not in the federal court. Why? Well, because Gates is a 
Virginia citizen, and he had residency there when these crimes were being committed. And so to a certain degree, it falls under Virginia law. Now, why would you go to Virginia? Well, if you just got a, a no-no from the federal court that you can't proceed with your plea deal with Flynn until you show me the documents that you base this information on, then you're going to shift your chessboard and move into the states and get out of the federal system. So it's a, it's a big chess game, and it'll be uh, very interesting to see where we go with it. And I'll be back in a couple of minutes and let you know a few more thoughts about it. I'm Dr. Bill, your Radio MD. With SRN News, I'm Michael Harrington in Washington. A North Korean envoy making a rare visit to South Korea today says his country is willing to open talks with the U.S. It's a rare step toward diplomacy between enemies after a year of missile and nuclear tests by North Korea and threats of war. President Trump has said he would like to have some talks. Members of Congress are returning to work after a 10-day break. They're under great pressure to respond to the outcry over gun violence. But no plan appears ready to take off despite a list of proposals, including a number of them from President Trump. Syrian opposition activists and residents of Damascus say the city and its embattled eastern suburbs are relatively calm following the U.N. Security Council's unanimous approval of a resolution demanding a 30-day ceasefire. This is SRN News. Thinking about life insurance? Dr. Bill for Bay Area Medical, located at 6399 38th Avenue North in St. Pete, 727-384-6411, 727-384-6411. Full service clinic with x-ray, heart imaging, ultrasound, stress testing, and minor surgery. We provide quality health care in a warm and friendly atmosphere. We are multilingual, well-trained, and certified. Most American insurance and new patients accepted. Bay Area Medical, home of can care, 727-384-6411, 727-384-6411. Dr. Bill for West Coast Radiology. Our good friends at West Coast Radiology offer convenient and comprehensive x-ray diagnostics, including open MRI, CT scan, CT PET, mammography, and ultrasound. With state-of-the-art equipment and four convenient locations, you're assured of friendly, comprehensive care. Most insurance is accepted and competitive self-pay rates, plus Saturday appointments. Call West Coast Radiology at 727-771-2795. That's 727-771-2795. By adding Crystal River to their roster reports, Freedom Boat Club now has 17 of the absolutely best locations in Tampa Bay. Tierra Verde, Clearwater Beach, Ricks on the River, Madeira Beach, to name a few. When you join Freedom Boat Club, you're just minutes away from the best fishing and boating in the state. Reserve your boat online, and in minutes, you're on the water with no time-consuming cleanup after your excursion. Call 855-FREEDOM, that's 855-FREEDOM, and get your membership started today. Or go to freedomboatclub.com slash Tampa Bay, that's freedomboatclub.com slash Tampa Bay, and tell them the captain sent you. Who's happy to be at the game today? You know who's not happy? Your buddy Pete, stuck at home doing the laundry with his wife, who loves soap operas. Pete should have taken advantage of Sun Country Cleaner's wash, dry, and fold service. With 38 convenient locations in Tampa Bay and delivery, Pete could be here, dealing with overtime at the ballpark instead of dealing with an overflowing hamper. Sun Country Cleaners, let us do the laundry while you do life. 
online at suncountrycleaners.com. This is Hugh Hewitt for Town Hall Review. If you're like me, you want more than just facts. You want insight from people you trust. People like Dennis Prager, Michael Bedved, Larry Elder, Mike Gallagher, and of course me, your host each week on the Town Hall Review, a weekly roundup of the news. Tune in each week and visit our website at townhallreview.com. That's townhallreview.com. Sundays at noon on AM860, The Answer. Here is your exclusive AccuWeather forecast. Today will be mostly sunny and very warm, the high of 86. Tonight, mainly clear and warm, the low 70. Tomorrow, partly sunny and very warm, the high 85. Tuesday, partly sunny and warm, the high 84. On Wednesday, partly sunny and very warm, the high 85. And on Thursday, mostly sunny and remaining warm. It'll be breezy in the afternoon. The high will be 84. That's your Accurate the Forecast. I'm Dan Pittman for AM860, The Answer. And I'm back. That's Janice in. And she's singing about Ain't No Place for a Face to Hide from God and the FBI. And that's the story here. And we know now that since 2001, the United States has been, quote, quote, spying, domestic spying on all of us. Does that mean that they're looking at each and every one of us? No, they're just amassing a ton of data. And with this data, they run it through computer algorithms that will look for certain words and phrases or look for certain people's names or certain email addresses and web server addresses. And you didn't know that, did you, that every computer on the planet has its own address. And it's a eight- or ten-digit number, and uh, you can find yours on your computer. It's not hard to do. You can go online, and there's a number of little programs that will tell you how to do it. Or if you got Windows, you can go to the uh, – Oh, what page is that? It's the page that has to do with the system information, and you'll see your your address for your computer there. So the government has been using these techniques and has been perfecting them since 2001, and, and thank God they have. You know, pr- presumably they have picked up terrorists who are planning things and gotten to them before they did, and we never hear about it, and that's what we want. We want to get these guys out of our society who are a threat to us and to our health and our security and our welfare. We also would like to see that roll over into the criminal side with these uh, uh, binge killers like this kid on the east coast of Florida. So it's, uh, it's, it's something that is, is healthy and helpful when properly applied. Here's one of the problems, though. You have an unbelievable amount of information that the computers have to go through. And so this takes super-duper supercomputers like Watson, and they don't pick up everything, and there's a lot of information overload, of course. And, you know, let's face it, uh, these agencies, the FBI, the CIA, the NSA, they're staffed, manned, run, and, and operated by people, people just like you and me. And, you know, there's always the potential for human bias to come into the intelligence gathering or into criminal investigations, criminal charges, and, and criminal trials. I mean, it's, it's, it's inevitable. That's why we have a court system. That's why, blessed, why we say that justice is supposed to be blind, that we don't want 
her to see anything before the case comes to court so she can look at it impartially. That's the whole purpose of our system. So they've got all this information, every keystroke, every telephone call, every digital address, every piece of traffic on the internet, whether it's in your email or on Twitter or Facebook, it's all being stored and potentially sifted through by the FBI and various agencies of our government. So why didn't the CIA or the NSA or the FBI pick up on this Trump thing earlier? Why didn't they roll something out? Well, they started making accusations back in 2016, or at least the Democrats did, and and in the uh, in the days leading up to the national conventions, there were even questions being raised publicly by these agencies about people and their involvement with the Russians who were or had been members of the Trump campaign team. So some of this had been picked up. And, of course, if you're a guy who doesn't like Trump and you're working for the FBI and you're put in charge of sifting through some of the data that's been given to you by the agents to see if there's anything that you can carry forward to charge Trump or his associates with in terms of breaking our national laws and interfering with our elections, then you might just accidentally not see something that is quote, quote, exculpatory that will say that, no, he didn't do anything. Evidence that is exculpatory is evidence that will show that you're not guilty or you're innocent. You're not, uh, X from and culpatory, uh, at fault. So you're not at fault. Well, you know what? That's exactly what has happened. And you say, well, I thought that our FBI and our police were above all this. Come on, guys. They're human beings. You know, we have to assume that most of them are good people. Some of them are self-serving. All of them have an opinion about something, just like you and me. Are they better educated? Well, it used to be you had to be a lawyer to be in the FBI, but I think now a college degree is enough in this age of egalitarianism and inviting everyone to participate in the democracy, uh, good or bad, that's okay. You know, that's democracy. So we want to think that these people are a little more intelligent than you and me, but that's not necessarily true. We want to think that they're a little less biased than you and me, but that's not necessarily true either. And we also have to remember, if you give me a shovel and tell me to go out in the yard and plant these two trees, that's what I'm going to do. And if there's some other jobs to do around the house, but the wife's told me to plant these two bushes, well, you know what? Those other jobs are just going to have to wait. So you're going to hand a job to an agent or to a lawyer in the Department of Justice and say, here's the stuff we got so far. This is what we want to do with it. That's your job. And so you're unleashed, and you're unleashed to do that which you're being asked to do. And if you bump into other things along the way, well, you report it back and see if the uh, agents can pick up any more dirt or any more illegal activity and bring it back for further review and potential uh, indictments against people for interfering with our election or colluding with the Russians or selling state secrets. It, it's 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 really not that difficult when you think about human nature that these things have happened. And the FBI has been under 
criticism and attack since this shooting over on the east coast of Florida, and they're being called out, and rightly or wrongly, <coughs> they're being put on the carpet. And, and that's a good thing. I mean, that, that it's not that we say our FBI is bad or that our FBI is good. It's that this is an agency of our government, and we need to make sure that it's functioning properly. We need to be able to call it down on the carpet and say, what's going on? We want a full report. They work for us. We're the boss. And our titular leader is the president of the United States, and he needs to also call them down. And people say, well, he shouldn't have criticized them in public. What's the difference? You know, call them down. Let's see what's going on. If we're going to have an open society, let's have an open society. It, it just, it's, it's one thing to do like the Democrats do and give it lip service and then keep everything hidden, especially when it would reflect poorly on them. And another thing to say, well, here, let's open it up. I don't have anything to hide. And uh, the president has been saying that all along. He said, I don't have anything to hide. But again, I'll tell him, do not talk with Mueller or his team. Do not talk to them. And remember, President Trump, you're not representing just you. You're representing all of us who backed you. So if you talk to this man and he's uh, a shrewd prosecutor, he's a shrewd investigator, he will come in and he will trap you into saying something that you'll regret later or that he will be able to prove is false. And then you will have lied under oath to a federal prosecutor. That's a no-no. You can get impeached for that. So what do we do about this? Well, I think that we do what we're doing. We'll call them down. Let's see what they're up to. Let's take a look at the documents. Let's see what these steel dossiers are and let's see what they're basing their evidence on. And you say, well, what if the evidence that they're based, basing this investigation on is good, but the warrant that they obtained to get this evidence was based on a document that's false? Well, then everything's thrown out if the judge wants it to be so, or if the defense appeals the case and says, wait a minute, you obtained illegal evidence here. You say, well, if you're committing a crime or if you've committed a crime and there's evidence that you've committed it, does it matter whether you got that evidence legally or illegally? Absolutely. That's the whole purpose of our Constitution is to protect us from an overly uh, intrusive federal government That's and to set up a way in which the states and the federal government and the various branches of the government interact so that everybody's held in check so that nobody steps on anybody's toes. Now, does it mean that that never happens? Of course not. It's not a perfect world, but it's a lot better than a lot of other parts of the world. And so for my money, it's important to me that we hold these folks accountable. And you say, well, what about the shooting over on the east coast of Florida? How's the FBI responsible for that? Purportedly, they received information on their tip lines about this kid and about his website and whatever all that they received, and they didn't act on it. Well, you know what? There's a ton of information that goes through there. So does that mean that the FBI is bad, or is there a fault in the system? Is there a breakdown in the process? And and that's what we have to look at, and we're still refining and redefining that whole process that started after 
9-11 in 2001. And it takes time. It takes time to build the computers. It takes time to build the programs. It takes time to learn what to look for and what not to look for. And now there's also criticism of the local police over on the east coast of Florida. And supposedly the sheriff who was on campus and supposed to be the the uh, the officer in charge uh, to protect the kids, he didn't go in. He stayed outside. This is what I've heard on the radio and TV, that he stayed outside and didn't go in, even though he knew the shooting was going on. And he was placed on leave and then subsequently resigned. So there's a failure at the local level as well. And police are police, whether they're FBI or state or local or school police. They're just human beings. And whether he didn't go in because he was scared or because he didn't know what was going on or because he was close to retirement and didn't want to jeopardize his life or whatever the reason was, it's not really relevant. What's relevant is if he did not go in, then the local police also need to be called on the carpet. They also need to be held accountable. And we know that there were a number of calls on this kid to the local police, and they even went to the house. And it's tough nowadays. It's tough to do anything, especially with a juvenile. I mean, you you can't just arrest people because they're saying that they want to kill the whole world or create a nuclear bomb and blow up New York City. You can't arrest people for that because people say all kinds of crazy things. And in our system, you're innocent until proven guilty, and you're, you're not uh, liable for arrest until you've done something wrong. And should we have laws against making threats? Well, we do have some laws about that. But how do you enforce all of those? I mean, do we have the, uh, the politically correct police running around everywhere saying, well, you said this about so-and-so and he's black or she's Korean. And so we think that you're politically incorrect and you have the potential of spreading hate and bias and, and uh, disrupting our system. And so we're arresting you and putting you in jail for 10 years. Uh, that's exactly what we're fighting against. That's what we don't want. We'll say, well, what's more important, our personal rights or the lives of 17 kids? I think that's something that we have to stop and, and, and take time and really uh, mull over because in a society of 330 million people, Sadly, these kids were killed, but uh, in the long haul, how much difference is that going to make in our society? Uh, If we get laws that are more proactive, if we get my idea of social workers going into the homes earlier and my uh, idea of having an armed militia, a home militia that's trained every 10th or 20th citizen who's able and, and capable and has been properly vetted and trained, If we have all of these things in place, then I think that we're doing something. And I think these are appropriate steps to take. Should we limit further our personal freedoms? No. I'm opposed to that. And for the very reasons that I've been talking about today, that we see the abuses by the police or the neglect, the acts of omission as well as the acts of commission, and we see their humanity, we see that they are one of us, and we say to ourselves, wait a minute, 
do I really want to give these people more power over me, over my personal life? They can already get everything that we say and do. Anything that's on the Internet, they can capture. Anything on the cell phone or on the landlines, they can capture. Anything in a public venue, if they want to, they can tape it and, and capture it. And, you know, you can separate it. You could have 30 people in a room talking, and with high-tech equipment now, you can separate out various voices and what they're saying. I use a little program when I'm making advertisements or pre-recording a show on my desktop, and I can see my voice patterns. I can see when I breathe. I can see when I take an, an um or a mm, and I can cut those things out with the computer. So I can, I can go down to a hundredth or two hundredths of a second and cut out a piece of, of, of something that I've taped on my, on my computer with this audio program. So there's a lot of things that can be done. There's a lot of technology out there, a lot of new technology, a lot of things that we probably don't even know about yet that are in the government's domain and their purview. And we have to be careful how they use this. We have to make sure that they are using it appropriately and with our blessing and our permission. And can we stop these mass murderers? Can we stop these abuses by the FBI? Can we stop a guy like Steele from coming up with a dossier that may or may not have any validity and that it's being used by federal prosecutors to arrest people who, are, who may or may not have done anything wrong? You lie to the FBI. Yeah, that's wrong. Uh, I wonder how many people in Washington, D.C. have lied to the FBI on their applications. I mean, just think about the Obama administration, the numbers of people that were brought in that I'm sure were the most unsecure, the most uh, uh, dangerous people in terms of our democracy that have been in the White House for decades. And they got clearances and they got in. So we need to keep tabs on this and we need to take it uh, or, or put it into perspective, I should say, and, and take it one step at a time. Mm -hmm. And I, I go back to Steve and I say, Steve, I again think that this eventually is going to come around and bite the Democrats in the butt, uh, but we'll see where it goes. It may all be disbanded before it gets to that point. And I don't think that Trump is a, a vindictive man from what I've seen. Uh, and I suspect that even if he knows there's dirt there, he will drop that and let it go and, and not pursue the Clintons further. And he said that uh, he even gave a little nod to Hillary when he was being inaugurated. So I don't know if there'll ever be any justice. And like I've said before, the cream and the scum both float to the top. And so we're in a situation where the Clintons have made it to the top and they're they have been scum. I've said this since the early 90s, and I'll continue to say it, but occasionally they get to the top. You know, that's just the realities of our life. Just as there are bad apples in the police department and the FBI, there's also bad apples in politics and medicine and law, wherever it is. Hopefully in medicine, fewer than in most other professions. Uh, hopefully we're held to a little higher standard. How much time we got left, Bill? We're coming up on 30 seconds. We're coming up on 30 seconds. So I want to again give a big thank you to my friend Toby and the Just for Last Dinner Theater. Give him a shout out. And that's a nice little organization. So if you get a chance, check that out. It's in Pinellas County. And you can 
Go there and have a really nice evening for a reasonable price. I'm Dr. Bill, your Radio MD. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.